Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you to a live Bruins overtime special reaction show of Off the Monster. I'm Sean Moran, along with my very good friend, James Higgins. James, how you doing today, my man? Bees pull it out. Didn't have to stay up till 2 a.m. last night to well, watch no, it. Well, uh, no, honestly, um, I, I, I probably could have. I was unpacking stuff all day or all night last night for my move. Um, I didn't actually get to bed until about 4 or so in the morning, but, uh, you know, it's all good. I'm back home in, uh, in the hub of the universe. Good, fine, beautiful old New England. So, honestly, I couldn't be uh, happier. I'd be a lot happier um, if the Bruins had actually put one away in that overtime period, but we shall see how this goes on. So, obviously, uh, we have a lot to talk about in terms of uh, not just the local teams, but the sports scene in general. Um, just give me kind of your uh, opening thoughts on uh, on this game. Quite frankly, uh, with the Bruins, um, just by looking at this game, even if they lose it, I think there's been a significant, significant amount of improvement uh, compared to the first three rounds. Oh, you, could, you, could, you could sense in the first period how much – of an uptick there was in the energy that they played with on the ice compared to the three round Robin games combined. And their quotes about, about this being real hockey actually in, 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 thing. In, terms of their effort, in terms of, in terms of what they were doing on the ice, in terms of the way Tuca was playing, just in terms of, of everything they were talking about, everything they were saying, their body language, everything came to fruition. What they were saying was matching up with how they were playing. They were really the first three, their round Robin games. They were really just working through the kinks, working off the rust, you know, um, seeing if there was anything they needed to do in order to get back into game shape, but they were not trying at all. And I think we all know that, but looking at how they played so far today, you can see the effort is there and obviously they're trying to win. Well, no, they clearly are. And um, honestly, I think that, you know, having been a hockey fan as long as you have, and as long as I have, when you're talking about a seven game series, um, uh, one game isn't going to make an entire series. We're not necessarily talking about unless it's, unless it's Columbus, Tampa Bay five overtimes. Like yeah, night. yeah, obviously. That's although, although I will tell you right now, I think that that series right there is going to be just as insane going on uh, going forward because th th those are two teams that are clearly out to prove something. Uh, Columbus, I think, is clearly out to prove that. Um, they aren't just kind of a uh, one, you know, one shot wonder from last year, winning their first, uh, right. winning their first playoff series, I believe, in uh, franchise history, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then that. Tampa wants to make up for, you know, basically again the President's Trophy curse, making up for that disaster of an opening series last year. And quite frankly, um, besides the Flyers, uh, Tampa's play has uh, impressed me quite possibly the most in terms of the entire NHL. Also, you could probably throw the abs in there, although we can get to the uh, Western Conference in a little bit. But um, I do really, really like what I've seen from the Bruins so far. And, you know, we'll see in a couple of minutes if it, uh, if it pays off. Uh, so many great chances, such fast-paced action. I will fully admit, though, uh, I miss the fans. The fans really do make oh, the playoffs. Stanley Cup playoffs are without fans. I, I, I mean, even, even – even just talking about like you know some fans fan some fan bases aren't even necessarily used to playoff hockey. I mean, you know I remember even last year when the Bruins traveled to Columbus. I mean that was a raucous crowd. That was awesome. That was a great atmosphere. And as fun as the uh, opening rounds and the round robins were to watch, and it was refreshing to see hockey again. I think right now you're seeing a true impact of no fans. I do like how the game seems to be a little bit faster paced. 
in terms of uh, the broadcast. I do like that a lot, actually. Uh, but that being said, you can just kind of tell that there's a little bit of soul missing from it, if you get my drift. No, no, abs- I absolutely agree. And I think hockey is the sport where you're going to miss fans the most in a playoff-type atmosphere, hockey or baseball. Yeah, I mean, a ba- baseball right now is uh, – yeah. I know, just just in a playoff. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, no. Totally. I mean, yeah. right now, uh, though, bring up, you know, you bring up baseball. Baseball's kind of in its own uh, own little uh, fantasy world right now. They don't know really what the hell's going on. I mean, I, looking at the standings right now is just insanity. Well, I mean, and also, also, you look at to switch gears to baseball. You look at you know a lot of your superstars, and a lot of them are struggling. Ronald Acuna yep. Jr. Jr under 200 he just started to get going this weekend against philly christian yelich hitting 157 um obviously you have guys like aaron judge fernando tatis jr charlie blackman tearing the mike trout tearing the cover off the ball but you also have guys like yelich acuna jr rendon um, average-wise hell honestly rendon in in los angeles is really struggling right now as well i mean well he he did just start to heat it up the, the, these past two days, he's gone four for seven, I think, with two bombs. And, and I, 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 I can't believe I'm actually going to say this. I am officially on board the Oakland Athletics bandwagon right now as we speak. Over over 162, I was really debating them having be, them be my World Series. I, I mean, oh, my gosh. They they seem to have everything. I mean, they got the power. Oh, got like, you want to talk about a guy who's Matt, Matt Chapman is one of the front runners for AL MVP, right up there with Judge and obviously Trout. But like Matt Olson is hitting bonds, but he's only hitting one sixty. Yeah, but but even still, like that, you want to talk about a team that has been purposely built with the idea of having success in this kind of fad of uh, of, of you know bullpens. Oh, it's absolutely it's, it's this right. athletics team. That bullpen is disgusting in terms of just right the and over stuff and you have coming out of that of that bullpen. And how they don't. Have- now they don't have to deal with the wild card game. They've obviously lost the past two years in the AL wild card game. They don't have to deal with just a one game type scenario. The best of three scenario, I think that's screwy, but I think it would benefit them more than most teams. And then you get into a best of five or best of seven with Minnesota or New York or Houston or whoever it may be. And Oakland is going to be right up there to be a World Series favorite. Oh, oh no, I totally, I, I totally agree. They're playing. They are playing I, quite frankly yeah. out of their minds right now. Um, and and honestly, I know that this is a Boston centered podcast for the most part, but. You know, I got to give some props to the Yankees. I mean, we all kind of thought that they were going to be right there to, you know, right there in the World Series conversation to begin with. But to all their credit, for the most part, uh, you know, you can nitpick the starting pitching here and there a little bit. Besides, besides the starting pitching after Cole, Cole and their offense and their bullpen have been lights out. They are a top. Three, they are a top two team in baseball. So, Absolutely. but but getting to the hometown team, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this. I've been impressed recently. Maybe not last ever, last, last, last night, but with some of. But going, yeah, last week was a good week. They had a good week last week. Avaldi Avaldi got screwed by the cat by the catwalk in the trop. The trop is just terrible. The, we can all agree tra- on that. That's another tragedy in and of itself. How. Tampa has slowly but surely made itself into a very competent organization, yet that town is incapable of finding a way to get them a suitable baseball stadium to play in. It is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
It's, it's, it's really a shame because Tampa Bay is one of the best teams in the American League. Obviously, they've gotten off to a slower start, but you look at that pitching with Glasnow, Snell, and Morton. Those are three Cy Young candidates right there in the same rotation, one, two, one, two three. That's absolutely And lethal. honestly, I, I, that's a lethal rotation. And I think that's going to give the Yankees or the A's the biggest problem in the playoffs is the Tampa, is Tampa, Tampa Bay. Well, you, may, you bring up something, you bring up a fantastic point with Snell, and I got to give Snell a lot of credit. He got a lot of crap in the offseason. Uh, for some of the comments he made with concerns about, uh, you know, the player concerns about COVID and, you know, giving up his life. And I have to give him credit. He's kind of bared down and he's been honestly for my money next to glass. Now, probably the second best pitcher, uh, not just on that staff, but I think you can make a case. He's probably number two right now in the Cy Young talk right now. You know, you throw Cole no. in there, you have to throw glass like, now in there. The, the only Right. I think the only problem right now with, with Snell is that they haven't stretched him out enough. He's only start you know, the longest he's gone in a game is three innings because he's coming back from an injury. I think starting tonight, they're going to start to stretch him out. They have to. But even in the limited out. amount, you can tell that he has not lost an inch off of his stuff. I mean, absolutely. No, he's, he's been dominant. He's been dominant in the, in the limited amount of time. But I think starting tonight, they're going to have to start to stretch him out, you know, five, six, then. Hey, let's Whoa. go! Bergeron wins! We won it! Yeah. We won it! Holy shit! We did it! Oh, shit! Let's go, Bergeron! <laughs> oh, my God, Bergeron! Okay. Yeah. Let's we're, go, Bruce. We're going to the Stanley Cup final! No, wait, it's just game one. It's just game one. Okay, okay. Let's go! I keep trying to keep it in my pants. It's not going to happen, but that's okay. That is, That was so needed. Oh my gosh. Oh, what a beauty. Mr. Clutch right there. Oh, that was a beautiful play. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's the first line. March on to pass to the bird. Like Let's 10 go. seconds of the period starting. Oh my gosh. No, so I, I guess kind of segueing back to hockey. Wow, they needed that. They needed that. They needed that big time. They needed that win big time. Um, so now that they have that 1-0 lead, I feel like it opens up a lot more possibilities um, in terms of uh, what you can do with, like, the goaltending situation. Because obviously now they got to play tomorrow at 8, which, you know, obviously ba- – Right. I'll, I'll be fully honest with you. I think that um, – I don't think you've seen the struggling and the and the wear and tear on teams as much in back to backs that we have had in this in this tournament in this bubble. Um, maybe you noticed something different, but like I mean, I've seen Carolina play back to backs and they look great against the Rangers. I mean, they swept the Rangers. Well, look look at the five overtime game last night, and I know you weren't able to watch it. Yeah. Both teams were playing with incredible energy into the fourth and fifth overtime, where guys usually in the third overtime start to fade. And I think in part it has to do with the five month layoff. You have a five month layoff. You have get time to rest, time to get your body in shape, and boom, you're back right there. Like Seth Jones played si- over sixty four minutes last night on the ice, oh which is gosh. absurd. You get, you get the NH- no, that's the, that that was like the, the only thing that I looked at this the the to bed last night and quite frankly vibes I got I don't know uh, if you were uh, even old enough to watch it at this point but the Syracuse Georgetown uh, Big East tournament game that went six overtimes and some of the players in that game played like two full basketball games in one game it was absolutely insane watching just the endurance um no like 
this it, off coming off of a, of a normal 82 game regular season, this game would not have the, the game last night would not have gone probably more than no. three overtimes. They wouldn't have well, been able to. Like, honestly, the most I've all... ever actually watched in person is is three full overtimes, and then about ten seconds into the fourth. That's the longest I've watched. I think that was a game against the Capitals and the Rangers. But no, you're right. After about the third overtime, I was reading. Uh, I was reading. I can't remember which player it was, but basically the way they described what happens in overtime is, yeah, yeah the first overtime, you know, you give it all you got. The second overtime, you give what you have left, and then basically anything after two overtimes, you're literally just throwing pucks on net and hoping the goalie screws up, basically. Um, but you have to give credit where I mean that, I mean just the goaltending performances by Vasilevsky and Corpusalo, like there's so many Corpusalo. Did not deserve oh, no, no, that no. game. Well, I mean, again, I had to watch condensed highlights, but still, no, you're completely right. He was, he was a brick wall the entire night. He did not deserve to lose that game. And, and the funny thing is, is like I just can tell you right now, whoever I, I, I honestly do believe whoever gets out of that series has a very, very solid chance of of actually making it at least to the conference finals, if not the entire winning the entire thing. I mean. Well, I mean, I'll yeah, be perfectly yeah. honest with you. I was not that impressed with what I saw coming from some of the Western teams, um, especially when you look at the Blues, who kind of looked like they were in a similar situation as the Bruins, just kind of going through the motions and trying to get their legs back. Understandable. Um, I think that they have a very good roster, good enough to make it regardless. But you just look at kind of like all these other teams' performances, like what the hell happened to Edmonton? Like, I have to take a lap on Edmonton. I thought they were... You had to go, I had to, the go to the freaking cup final. And lo and behold, game one of that qualifier, they give up six goals. <laughs> what about Pittsburgh, like, too? That, I, I genuinely... You know what? I can't even laugh that much. I genuinely feel terrible for Edmonton fans. Because finally... They seem to be on a uh, on a trajectory towards some competence, and then this happens. They are they're the Western Conference version of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Although, honestly, James, I think as Bruins fans, we need to take a good five minutes just to just laugh at the Leafs' miserable week. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay, the playoff place Toronto okay. without them. <laughs> okay, so get this: it's not bad enough. That you got upset after breaking. Okay, I'm telling you right now, they should have won that series after that game four comeback. That was oh, one yeah. of the most insane that... comebacks I've ever seen in my life. I was sitting in my in my old house watching it with my buddies. I was like, dude, they're gonna they, they might go all the way. You don't just do that and then blow it. But by God, did they blow it the next game? <laughs> well, the Maple Leafs would be the team blow it. The Maple Leafs would be the team to blow it. And the Eastern Conference playoffs are going on in Toronto without the Maple Leafs being there to partake, which is just wonderful. And and, 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 and the best part about it was, that you see, you know, God just has a, you know, the hockey guys just have a funny way of working. I remember on Leafs Twitter, they were saying, oh, okay, well, this isn't too bad. You know, maybe we'll have a, we'll have a chance at the first pick. You know, we, now we have a chance at the first pick. Not only did they not get the first pick, they got the friggin' 13th pick. And because of a trade they made, they don't even get that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
Well, going back to the Bruins, I was very much impressed with the first line today. Pasternak with a goal and an assist. Bergeron with a goal and an assist. Marshawn was back to being his normal self. They all looked pretty good. They, they were all playing with energy. They all looked fresh. Everything like everything that you needed to see out of the first line specifically today. They I, I, well. you got Obviously, you, you have to exactly give total, total to the props right. to the first line. I completely agree with you. But I think that we need to spend some time uh, talking about the performance of that second line with uh, – with Casa, Krejci, and DeBrusque. DeBrusque, <laughs> wow, very unlucky he's today. Due for a um, you can he tell was, though that yeah, he's I thought he was sticking gonna, up. I thought he might score. He was due. He was, he due. was totally due. Um, but I am so impressed, honestly. Minus the penalties, um, with Casa. Casa had a great game. I love his positioning. He's got a good shot. I actually really like the way it seems that uh, him and Krejci have gelled so far. But honestly, I feel like another guy oh, that you need to yeah. mention, if you're, if, you know, is uh, Charlie Coyle. You know, who, by the way, is from, uh, I, I, if, you, if you didn't know, is from Weymouth, Mass. You know, yeah, from, yeah I, I, that, for the two billion time, they'll say that on yeah, yeah. season. But the, the, guy, the guy, the guy, he's Mr. Reliable. He always comes through when you need him to come through. He's a solid hockey player and he'll do anything and, that you need. And you, you look at the way this game transpired today, coming off of their three round robin performances, he stepped up and delivered exactly when they needed him. Well, and the, and the thing is, is like, you know, you have to give, you know, I, 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 it's really funny how kind of bipolar I am towards the Bruins management, but I, I honestly have to, you know, give credit where credit is due to their pro scouting department when it comes to looking at guys like that, uh, picking up a guy like Coyle, who like, let, let's be frank here, was when he was in Minnesota, he was at best a role player. You know, had you know had a, right, have a nice right. game here and there, but certainly nothing you can write home about. But now he's basically turned into you know a guy where you can easily say he's a, one of the five most important guys on the team right now, at least in terms oh, of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean sure, honestly, sure. and also I have to give some credit to the, to um, to some of the defenders. Okay, obviously McAvoy really stepped it up defensively today. Uh, although I didn't think Chara was all that bad. I mean, I, I think that he's going to take a little bit longer to get his legs truly going. You know, he's just older. It's one of those things. Um, but I do have to give some uh, some credit where credit is due to, a, to guys stepping up like Carlo. Carlo stepped up big, even though, again, you know, a little shaky here and there. Uh, I will say, though, one item of criticism, Tory Krug has to find his game quick. Um, Absolutely. He needs – to he's probably the biggest reason right now why uh well him and just the plethora of dumb mistakes but right now i think krug is just his without him being the guy we need him to be you can tell how much we're suffering via how shit our power play has been so there's a lot of things that you can take here that's good but also there's a learning experience were they over three on power plays today they were over four on power plays i believe He's either 0 yeah. for 4 or, or 1 for 4. But they looked honestly like they, they just looked like they couldn't get into the zone the entire uh, the entire time that they were on any power play. And honestly, you want to know what's crazy though? Like with how bad it looked today and with how you know how poorly it looked at times last postseason, like during this round robin play where they weren't playing well, they were five for six. On I mean plays. that's look. That I'm saying that's just the crazy thing about it. No, I, I it, it's totally insane. But that being said, I don't understand, or I guess I do understand, but it, but it is a little baffling to me how you can have so much talent on that first power play line, and yet Krug is truly 
the the gel, the the glue that kind of puts it all together. And if he's not on, you can tell it's going to struggle. Right. But, absolutely. Uh, no. So great, great performance. Great, great start uh, for the Bruins in the playoffs. I am honestly looking very much forward to see how the rest of these uh, first rounds go. Um, one series I do think that we really need to pay very close attention to is um, that Caps Islanders series. Um, I am not a betting for game. sure. I would not be surprised if the Isles pulled off an upset on that one. I love how that Isles team is built. Now, of course, now that I said that, uh, they're going to lose like 6 nothing tonight. You watch. Um, yeah, Ovi's going to go out and score four. Oh, my gosh. That's another thing, too. We've been alive in the same generation as watching Alex Ovechkin. I wonder if this is what Gretzky fans feel like. Exactly, exactly. It's absurd, man. He, like, he, he doesn't no, he doesn't. Down. And the thing He'll is, it's like – you can totally see Ovechkin playing, I don't know, about another 10 years. I don't know if he's got the stamina of, like, a Yager, for example. Four I can five. easily see him going five more, and I can easily see him uh, getting 900 goals. Easily. That that I mean, at this point, that's the only reason why he's still – like, obviously, he's playing to win multiple cups, but, like, now that he has his one cup, you know, like – you're at that at this point. You're playing to win, to to get to 900. You have to. Oh yeah. Oh no. You you totally are. And honestly, like if you're in his position, you have to go chase 900. I mean, honestly, like, and the, and the funny thing is though is that th- that's what I always kind of. That's why when I when I like when I talk about hockey history, especially hockey history, not so much baseball because there's so many other kind of nitpicky things you can talk about baseball, and that's a conversation we can have for another episode about whether. X great player would be as good now as he was back then. But like, honestly, when you look at hockey, yeah, you can talk about like some of the finer rule changes here and there, but for all intents and purposes, people are still skating. People are still shooting a puck. People are still, it's still fundamentally the same game as it was even 30 years ago for the most part. And it just makes you wonder, it's like, what would Gretzky do nowadays? Like, would he be better? Would he be worse? I mean, I think it's a. It I don't think be it'd be worse. worse. I don't know, but like, I just it just does amaze me like some of his accomplishments. When you talk about some of the great talent that we've you know been blessed to witness, you know Crosby's, Ovechkin's, um, uh, friggin' McDavid, for example. I mean, I think that you really need it. it really kind of just baffles me, considering how much talent and how much better the talent is getting as the years go by. I mean. Some of these drafts have just been insane. Like some of the value you can get in the third round in some of these things, it's taken off. So, segue back into uh, back into baseball. I think we were talking about. Uh, I please rant about the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this bullpen uh, is terrible. Their pitching is terrible. Matt Barnes Outside needs to retire, Bobby and Perez they have zero chance to win any baseball games. Look. Like you have, you have um Josh Osich, uh, Josh Josh Osich trotting out there. Jeffrey Springs, Phillips Valdez. You have no names going out there, and Renicky leaves them out there for way too long. The kid who they called up last night, I don't even remember his name. The former catcher, um, he throws gas, but they left him out there for way too long. What he do? Give up five runs? Yeah, yeah. No, they, no. Look, I, I'm telling you right now, Ron Renicky is like. I'm just going to start calling him the mailman because he's just mailing it in at this point, man. He is, he is so, so bad of a man. I live and die every Red Sox pitch. And I just like, after, after 
the the Yankee series last weekend, it just got to the point where I just laugh and I expect it to be bad. I don't expect anything good. To you know what? Honestly, James, I've, I've had to take your kind of i've I've had to take your opinion and your view on this just so I can get some enjoyment out of watching my favorite team. Um, it still don't work. I still get angry, but it is what it is at this point. And I guess honestly, the thing that's really bugging me most about the team right now it's not even the bullpen. Because, look, we came in, you'd agree with me on this, that we agreed. We knew the bullpen was going to be bad. The bullpen was going to be bad. The starting rotation minus Evaldi was going to be bad. Hey, Perez has been all right. Seriously, besides the besides his, his first two starts, the last two two starts he's really picked it up and done, and done solid. Actually, the last three starts, the Mets start, the race start, and now the, this start against um last night against Tampa Bay again. Like, besides that first start against Baltimore, he's been solid. No, but, like, honestly – you make an actually it's an excellent point, but the thing that has just angered me the most is the performance of some of the hitters. And Andrew Benintendi. Okay, last night he was two for three. He had the same amount of hits last night that he had all season, so he is now four for thirty nine on the year. Yes, it seems so- like the only guy who's actually trying to go up there and and actually like Andrew. play base to base baseball right now is, is basically Vasquez and uh, Bogarts. That's it. Oh. Verdu- throw Verdugo in there. And Verdugo, yeah, but they don't play him very much. He's platooning them. He should be starting every game. He and Pilar should be starting every day. Benintendi is four for 39. There's no reason to keep hitting him leadoff. Renicky said that both Benintendi and Verdugo prefer to hit second, so he's going to flip-flop them between the leadoff and the two-hole to see which one he likes better. Well, I think it's pretty clear after the first two months of last Verdugo year. Verdugo clearly so wants the starting job here. Clearly. No, no, but I- no, absolutely, Verdugo should be starting. But I think it's very clear that through April and May and, and halfway through June last year and then what we've seen this year, Benintendi is not a good leadoff hitter. Did he do it for two and a half weeks in 2018 when Mookie was out? Yes. Did he do it successfully? Yes. But his large sample size, he can, he is not a good leadoff hitter. Whatever it is psychologically, whatever it is mentally, he can't do it. So how about you hit him sixth or seventh? How about you lead off Verdugo? How about you start Kevin Pillar? Because Jackie Bradley Jr. has been a black hole almost his entire career. And since the, the Orioles series, the first series of the year, he hasn't really done jack at the plate. He hasn't done anything. Let's be he honest. Jackie really Bradley anything. hasn't done shit at the plate since he went on that, like, what, 40-game hit streak a couple years ago? He's been 26 Yeah, 29-game hit streak. That was absurd. And, but he, uh, after the Baltimore series, he was hitting 571. His average is now 230-something. I think he has three hits since that Baltimore series. He hasn't done anything. I don't expect him to do anything at the plate. Verdugo and Pilar should both be starting in the outfield. Whoever your third outfielder is, um, you know, like, between Benintendi and Bradley, just fi- figure that out amongst yourselves. But we need both Verdugo and Pilar starting. I'm getting to a point where I- I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I, I just kind of want them. And-, and this segues perfectly into uh, a question I meant to ask you. And I want uh, I want you on a record for this. Who's for sale? On the Sox? On the Sox. Who is for sale right now? At who the, do you sell? At the deadline? At the deadline. Who Who has to go? Because we're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> no, no, I, I think, I think, look, I think for me, Xander Bogarts is obviously untouchable. Raffi is untouchable. And I think it depends on, like, I think everyone else is for sale. But I think the one, the, the, the one big caveat I have to that is you only trade Martinez if you can get a really, really good return for him. Because we saw how, be- we saw how much of a black hole there was in the DH position in 2017 without Ortiz. Yep. And then obviously without Martinez, Hanley, Hanley Ramirez was not was not an adequate uh, replacement in 2017. They signed J.D. before 2018. He had an incredible year in 18, won two silver sluggers, finished fourth in MVP voting, should have finished second. Um, had an incredible year last year. 
Uh, he had three, he's hit over 300 both years. He's hit over 30 homers both years. He's driven in over 100 runs. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball over the last five years. And he still has a $23.5 million option left for next year. And yes, he's struggled so far this year. But he's the last two nights, he's really started to, to, to look like J.D. Martinez. And he started to come out of it. Do I think he's going to opt out? The market might be depressed, so maybe, maybe not. Will the Universal DH be there for 2021? We don't know yet. We might not know when free agency starts. So I think that's a big, that's a that's a big indicator on whether JD will opt out or not. Whether or not there will be the Universal DH in 2021, because that's 15 more jobs if there is one, and 15 more teams that can give him the money he deserves. He is a top five hitter in the game when he is on. He is yes. such an elite hitter, and he will have JD Martinez numbers at the end of this season, 100. Like I don't like. It's been frustrating to watch him right now because like. Like, yes, has has him not being able to go to the video room affecting his performance because he can't look at his at bats in game and do as much uh, film prep pregame because you know they can only get there five hours before the game. Absolutely, but he's still too elite of an of uh, of a hitter to to use the video room as an excuse like that. Not being able to look his at his at bats is not the only excuse. He's out there. He's rolling pitches over to third and to short that he would normally drive. With power to the gap, he's yeah he's he, he's getting into the same problem that you, that uh, Devers is. He's just trying too hard up there at this point. But but no no. But the last two nights he's looked like JD Martinez. Oh, yeah. By the end of the season, he will have JD Martinez numbers. He will be. He, I don't know. I like with only sixty games. I don't know if he will get his average to over three hundred. I personally think he will, but it might be tough. He'll still have you know between fifteen and twenty homers with this sixty game season and. You know he'll still he'll still have a decent amount of RBIs. He'll still have a good on base percentage. He's still JD Martinez. He's still one of the top five to ten hitters in the game. So you, ab- absolutely, would you uh, theoretically have- package Benintendi and Martinez to get like a top pitching prospect at this rate? What are you going to get for Benintendi right now? Like I'm I'm one of the biggest Benny guys in the world. I love Benny. That's why like, I said package I, him like, with I Martinez. But I know, like, how bad he, how bad he's going right now. Like, obviously, look, here's the thing with Benintendi. There's a talented player in there. He was the number one overall prospect going into 2017. They chose to keep him. They read, Dombrowski chose to keep Benintendi over Moncada when it was time to trade for Chris Sale. Uh, in, in, in which isn't looking like a terrible trade still, which is messed up as all hell. <laughs> no, like, Moncada, Moncada, like, he's, he's going to be an elite talent in this game for a while, but we won a World Series with Chris Sale. That's all that matters right now. Well, also, keep in mind, uh, Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech sat out this year. Is, has just been – I'll, I'll go ahead and say it right now. He's been a giant disappointment. <laughs> I, I, mean, was look, I, was, I was looking forward to watching him so much. Well, but the thing is, too – He's is got he... mental health issues. He's got – I mean, he's got, he's got a lot going – recovering from Tommy John, like, he's got – you know, th- there's I don't want to say a plethora of problems, but I mean, there's there's baggage with Kopech. I mean, OK, admittedly so like having read into like, you know, like you were talking about the mental issues, that situation, if even a threat of what was going on is true, that's messed up. Admittedly, so oh, very messed up. Absolutely messed up. I mean, wow. Like, <laughs> I, I can't blame him for doing what he did. If, if, if again, if, if the rumors were true, um. But I do kind of think getting back to the current trade situation with the Sox, um, you you have pieces there where I think that you could you could realistically request top three prospects on each team. What like JD Martinez, Vasquez at this point, Christian Vasquez. Uh, like if you if you package Workman with somebody. Hundred percent. I mean, obviously, I don't know if another team's going to look at Workman as a full blown closer, but I but still think he, you can get a good haul for him. 
he can still pitch late in innings. He can, no, he, he, can still, he can still pitch late. Excuse me, not late. He can still pitch late in postseason games and 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 be nails for you. That's all you need. That's all you need out of him. Try to get, try to get like honestly equate this to an Andrew Miller type deal. Yeah. Brandon Work is not what what Andrew Miller was, but like in terms of what Andrew Miller was when he was with the Red Sox, Brandon Workman is very similar to what Andrew Miller was with the Red Sox, except he actually closes. He's a couple of years old. He's, th- he's a couple of years older than when we traded Miller. But if you can get a lesser version of an Eduardo Rodriguez for Workman, that's not a bad haul. No, it's not at all. No, I, I totally agree and with you on wh- that. What do you think about Jackie? Do you think they can get anything for Jackie? I'm going to say the only way that they can get anything for Jackie is if they'd have, they'd have to package him. With JD, somebody. probably. Like, yeah, we're talking about a package deal with either a Vasquez or a uh, or a JD. The I toughest mean, one for me, like, right now your untouchables are, are Bogarts and Devers. Absolutely. And, and Devers will snap out of it, dude. We saw what he did on Sunday. Like, does he screw up some easy defensive plays? Yes, but he makes some defensive plays that are unbelievable. Like oh, that yeah. Bear- oh, yeah, no, he... Sunday, the, pl- the play where he came charging in and got the lead runner at second, just had an instinctive heads-up play, like... Like he's gotten so much better defensively since last May. It's it's been unbelievable. But I think right now those are your only two untouchables. And then, like obviously, don't trade a Valdi. Like I've seen people wanting to flip Valdi. It's like okay, then you go into next year in a worse position than you are this year. No one's gonna no one's gonna get give you much for him anyway because of his contract. Right, but but you got to keep a Valdi at this point and just hope that. that I mean, look, I think at this point we can you know again. I'm going to say this and then, you know, the exact opposite is going to happen because it's just my luck. Um, it seems like we are at least on a decent enough pace to get to August 31st to where the salary cap will reset or the luxury tax will reset. So that's what I'm really kind of pushing towards and hoping for that we can just kind of keep. That's, the, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing for the Red Sox. Once the luxury, once the luxury tax resets, they can have, the financial flexibility and freedom to do what they want in the offseason. Hopefully, Heim Bloom can get a full go from ownership to do what he wants to do. I, I mean, I think that Henry's going to get a kind of get a is going to get a bad awakening when he sees uh, the the final like uh, the final kind of uh, pay stubs or uh, the final uh, kind of numbers in terms of like revenue this year. That he's going to need a good haul uh, in the offseason to bring the to, to bring fans back to the park. Um, I I I don't know how else you can put it at this point. I think uh, I think it, at this rate, um, there's a there's enough angry sentiment towards Red Sox ownership for the way that they kind of uh, you know stiff armed the fan base this year. You know, to where <clears throat> I think he'd be in a really bad shape if he put out this exact same baseball club next year. <laughs> he can't. He he absolutely can't. Like like right at they're not they're not. They're not an enjoyable product to watch. They're not really a watchable product. You have a couple good pieces there. Like obviously you have franchise pillars with Bogart's endeavors, but besides that, where else are you really going? You can Verdugo can be another core piece you build around if if he continues to play the way that he that 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 they project him to play and they hope he plays. Can Benintendi rebound next year? Obviously there's a talented player in there. What I was getting to with Benintendi was look in 2015 he was such a polished hitter at Arkansas. And he beat out Alex Bregman and Dansby Swanson for the Golden Spikes Award. He mm-hmm. went number seven overall in the draft. He was the number one prospect in baseball. He flew through the minor leagues. He skipped AAA. He hit 295 in August and September of 2016. And he hit 333 that postseason with a home run and an RBI double. In 2017, were there things that, that, that were there adjustments that pitchers made against him? Absolutely. But he still hit 270. He was he 20 homers, stole 20 bags, drove in 90 runs. 
he he was runner up rookie of the year. He hit that home run off Verlander in Game Four to give them of the LDS to give them the lead in the fifth or sixth inning. And then in 2018, in the first half, he was hitting 297 with 14 home runs with an 897 OPS. Like the trajectory, the trajectory for him was going up. And then at the All Star break in 2018, I don't know what it was, but he just went. He's been going down from there, and he's been going down ever since. Did he make one of the greatest catches in Red Sox history? Absolutely. Yes. That absolutely. Do I still think he can? Turn it around next year, yes, because I know there's a talented player in there in Andrew Benintendi. Like, I'm not, actually, now that I think about it, two I, of like, the greatest will, catches in Red Sox history: one in the one in the LCS, and then one in the World Series. Oh yeah, 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 Air Benny, but Air like, Benny, baby. I under I, I understand that Air Benny. I understand that he is flat out awful right now. I'm not defending him right now. Like, oh no, not saying you he's are. Been, he's, he's been terrible, but somewhere in there, there's a talented player. And what's going to happen is if. What's going to happen is if he leaves Boston, he's going to go go twenty five twenty five hit hit two ninety or three hundred drive in you know ninety five runs and maybe like make you know, us regret and, it and yeah and you know, like win a silver slugger at some point in his career possibly like that that's that's just what's going to happen because that that's what happens to the Red Sox. So speaking of other young and up and coming, then we have I really wanted to get to at least a little bit of a. Little Celtics talk in the last fifteen or so minutes. We got oh, how good they looked in the bubble. Gordon Hayward's back, playing with aggression, playing great defense. They look lock he had on Sunday against the Magic to save the game. Jason Tatum coming through in the clutch with two clutch buckets, the three, and then the jumper to tie it, going into overtime. The greatest Jaylen player Brown. of all time, Daniel Tice. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jalen Brown is playing unbelievable basketball. They're on a roll right now. I first well, they are definitely Milwaukee on a roll, but honestly. I, I will fully admit, on top of the Celtics, what is really I, I've enjoyed most about the NBA bubble is just the memes and the and the stories coming out about the players' shenanigans. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh, you knew that that was going to be an unmitigated disaster coming into it. You just knew. it hasn't been though. Well, no, but I'm not 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 as a whole. I'm just saying that like the stories that have come out have been just 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 chef's kiss. What's your favorite one? My favorite one, oh, oh, no. So far, it definitely has to be uh, Strip Club Gate with uh, uh, that. Uh, Lou Williams. Yeah, with Lou Williams. That made me laugh so hard. Because, That's an all-time. Because who goes to the strip clubs? To get chicken to wings. To get chicken wings. Well, you know, you know, I mean, you know, unless it's a different type of chicken wings. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you know, you know man's got to be a man, right? But, like, how stupid can you be? How good can those chicken wings be? That's what I want to know. I mean, is it as good as, like, you know, the legs and eggs at friggin' the foxy lady down in Providence? I mean, come on. Like, I mean, what is it, man? How good can like, the food be? Well, well spe- speaking of funny speaking of funny and idiotic boneheaded decisions, how about Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger just lying to the Indians originally? Like, Mike, Mike Clevenger. Mike Wait, Clevenger I didn't hear about this one. You need to, you need to tell me this one. Okay, so, so they – so Plesak pitched on Saturday. Right and after the game, he and uh, Clevenger snuck out uh, to go out in Chicago, and their security guards down by the hotel. So they like I think they, that's how uh, Plesak was was found out. But Clevenger lied to the team about not going out, even though he did go out. So what happened was the Indians, once they found out, sent Plesak home, and they made him drive a rental car from Chicago back to Cleveland. They didn't let him fly back with the team because they fought a game on Sunday, but. Clevenger lied to the team and they didn't find out that he went out to later. So he still flew back with the team and then got out at later. 
So like that's an even worse look for Clevenger than Plesak because he lied about it and still flew back to the team because now they're making they put both of them on the restricted list and they are making Clevenger and Plesak quarantine. It's a shame too in that case about Plesak because dude he was healing dude he's been he was awesome. healed. He's I mean, fit in the AL and ERA with a 1.29 ERA. He's been dealing. He's been racking up the strikeouts. That whole staff has been like, ra- uh, racking up the strikeouts with Clevenger and Bieber and Carrasco and, and Savale. Like, that pitching staff is unbelievable. Oh, That's wait a minute. I found another story that I absolutely love about the NBA bubble. Joel Embiid getting exposed oh, for being the biggest jerk-off in the NBA. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. They built a team around this guy. The, the, the 76ers actually built a team around He's a fake guy. leader. I mean, like, telling, like, I mean, just the look on his face. I think Bill Simmons uh, used to have this thing called the Derek Lowe face way back in the day. Uh, when Derek Lowe used to close for the Red Sox, I have a new thing I want to make a thing. The Joel Embiid face. The I'm just fed up with everybody around me. Just, I, I, I'm sick of these guys. Get me the hell out of this damn city look on your face i mean it's it's beautiful and the funny thing is that's who we're going to be facing in the first round more than likely give it to me give me the sweep that, that, that's here that's i say celtics in five baby i'll go for a sweep in that case give me the celtics and a sweep on especially if there's no simmons especially oh, if there's simmons no simmons. is not going to play in that series he has a four to six week recovery no way no way he's not playing but like honestly I honestly do think that the Celtics could play just about anybody on any on, on any given day, um, especially considering the performance that they gave against the Bucks in the first. Without Tatum, now Tatum scored five points, and they were able to hang in that game against Milwaukee when Giannis should have fouled out in the last minute. I don't think the NBA wants Giannis to foul out at all because he should have fouled out in the Mavericks game, but they reviewed it and gave the foul to Middleton on Saturday night, like. Look, well, I mean, he, Giannis should have probably be getting looked at it uh, for a suspension. He had the head something. Yeah, it, 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 that, that's the one thing that always kind of it, it doesn't turn me off. I obviously love the NBA, but the, just the clear and blatant favoritism <laughs> towards just just the stars. I understand you got to keep the the, the the draw and whatnot, but that being said, it's just if the guy's a jerk and he's acting like a jerk, you got to punish him for being a friggin' jerk. It's not that's- that hard. But at this rate. I think that the Celtics are definitely in a good place. The Bruins are definitely in a much better place than they were a week ago. And the Red Sox can just eat my friggin' shorts at this point. I think the team in the best place overall is the Celtics. I'd agree with that. I'd, I'd agree with that. But the, the, the Bruins aren't in a bad place. They're, they're, they're like, especially after today, I feel much better about them. Um, you know, I think. Obviously, like the only real advantage you have with being the higher seed is is last change, obviously. Yes. But I like because because there's no home ice, no fans and whatnot. But I think they can still get the matchups to work in their favor, and as long as they're playing on all cylinders, they can beat anybody. Uh, like they, they are the team. They are not technically the one seed anymore, but they they were the best team in hockey all year. They were the only team in hockey that had a hundred points. Like they are the team to beat. As as good as Philadelphia has played, you know they were the hottest team in hockey. They and they they obviously went three and zero in this round robin. Like the Bruins are still the team to beat in the they're then they're the team to beat in hockey. So as long as they're rolling and playing well, nobody like they are the team to beat. And I don't think anybody can beat them. Admittedly, so as weird as. Uh... This COVID thing has uh, has been for basically all sports. Um, how surprised are you? Just to uh, just for some closing thoughts, are you that we are actually this close to uh, NFL season and you haven't heard any major rumors of of a cancellation yet? 
I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I can't wait for the NFL this year. I can't wait. I, I, agree I, can't, I can't, at this point. That first tackle, I can't wait to see that first touchdown pass. I am so excited for football. I'm so excited to see Cam Newton in his new Patriots threads. He looked great in the picture the other day. I don't yeah, know yeah. what his hairdo was. I don't care what his hairdo is. I don't care what outfits he wears to the postgame. I don't care what font he texts Coach Belichick in. As long as he's playing good football, that's all I care as, about. As long as Newton's throwing friggin' dimes, I really don't care what he does. I, we, I'm kind of concerned on that. We need pre-injury Newton. That's what we need. We need pre-injury Newton. I'm excited for the Nikhil Harry breakout because Cam will actually give Harry a chance and will work with him. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Sanu can do now that he's actually fully healthy. Edelman is going to have another typical Edelman year. The Patriots defense led by uh, Gilmore and Jackson will keep them in pretty much every game. Uh, I'm excited for Bentley to see. Hopefully he can he can take that leadership role on. Now Duggar, uh, apparently in, uh, in the opening camp, looked like a monster. Who? Uh, Kyle Duggar looked like a oh, monster. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited for Winovich. I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Coming off a solid rookie year, I'm ex- I'm excited for the Patriots. I'm real. I'm really excited for the Patriots. I'm excited to see what they can do. And I'm excited to see how they like. I'm excited to see how they match up. I'm excited to see how they match up against Kansas City in Week Four. That's a game I'm looking forward to. So, what do you say? Uh, next episode, I think we should do a full breakdown of the uh, NFL. See uh, see where that's going on. I think a week from now sounds like a pretty uh, pretty decent uh, <laughs> starting mark to make all the hot takes. What do you say? Yeah, 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 for sure. We'll, we'll, we'll in the next episode or two, we'll do NFL stuff because, because I think like I, I, I don't, I like I would like to see more just of like camp and see like like obviously like you know stuff is scripted in camp and whatnot, but like you're, you're gonna have a freak injury or two. That, of that's course, the, it, so. I, I, I'm obviously not looking forward to that part of August where it always happens. I mean, like even though it's just camp and no preseason this year, like you're still gonna have some freak injuries. Oh, of course, of course, naturally. Jeff Thomas season. Jeff Thomas, no, yes, he's going to be so good. I'm telling you. If he actually makes the team, which I think is a very good possibility, I'm, I'm just saying. They got the pieces there to be good. Yes, sir. I, I think. All right, my man. So, until next time, ladies until and gentlemen, you have a wonderful week. Go Bees. Go Bees.